Welcome to the 31st episode of Sound the Foghorn Fansite. It's official San Francisco Giants podcast. I am your host, as always, Mark um, DeLuke. The Giants, you know, pulled up last time we spoke. They were coming off a disappointing series loss to the Dodgers. They come back, lose um, the first game in their, excuse me, second series in as many weeks, but then come back and win the next three. We're coming off some highs here and we're, we're going to dive into the giants and Dodgers, um, the NL West and sort of where the giants go from here with my guest today. But uh, first I want to remind everyone, if you haven't already, please leave a five star review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps um, the pod out. If you do make sure to leave a com, leave a question in your comment and I'll make sure to answer it alongside a guest in a future episode. But without further ado, my guest today is Robert Murray. You know him as an MLB insider and columnist. Uh, well, my colleague at Fansided, he's also a former uh, Milwaukee Brewers beat writer for The Athletic. Robert, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. The Giants coming off, coming off a few wins here, getting things together. And the reason I wanted to have you on is obviously, you know, you're one of the most well-connected people in baseball to, you know, executives, you know, lower level people, you know, throughout the league and the giants, I, I don't think it's unfair to say have been a surprise to many, even people close to the team um, and, and, and obviously further away. And, and so just sort of diving into things here, what were your sense of what kind of expectations or thoughts around the league of where the giants were at, what the giants could would be in 2021 and beyond and kind of how has that shifted over these first couple months of the 2021 season? Yeah, I think going into this season, not many people had many expectations for the giants. I thought everybody, or I think it's a pretty safe thing to say that most people thought it would be the, the Padres and the Dodgers uh, competing in the West. And that all of a sudden you have the giants who came out of the gate red hot and it's basically continued throughout this entire season besides one little rough stretch there. And now they lead the National League West by a half a game over the Padres going into today. Um, it's been a lot of different things, but I think you can really pinpoint it to the rotation and, and how it's stepped up. And I'm sure we're going to go into it a little bit deeper later on in the show. But what Farhan Zaidi has done, bringing in a lot of guys on one-year deals, it's been incredibly impressive and probably one of the more impressive things, if not the most impressive thing, um, in all of free agency from this past winter. And it's why the Giants are 34 and 20 and, and where they are today. Yeah. And, and, you know, thinking about last winter, like you, you mentioned, it wasn't from, you know, big moves, whether signings really or trades, you know, like the Dodgers and Padres obviously built on much more successful teams last season and made some pretty huge additions. The Giants, you know, it seems like have did make some huge additions. It just didn't feel like it. Obviously, they re-signed Kevin Gausman, which that was, you know, a relatively big deal. He accepted the qualifying offer around $19 million. But, you know, Anthony DiSclefani, you know, one year, $6 million. He's been in- incredibly good for the team. Um, you know, and otherwise, though, it's been a lot of internal older veterans, for the most part, Logan Webb, a younger guy who stepped up, but it's been, you know, Buster Posey coming back and playing like, like he's back in his prime all of a sudden, you know, Evan Longoria, Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, all these players who, you know, I feel like a lot of people around baseball were expecting to continue kind of tapering off who haven't, who've done the opposite. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's been incredibly surprising to see Buster Posey hit it the way that he has, especially with the power numbers and, and Brandon Crawford's been looking like his old self at shortstop. Uh, watching those two guys, it's basically they were two of the foundational pieces during their 
long, their long standing with our success. Um, and seeing them continue this pace after really kind of, as you said, tapering off in previous seasons has been uh, a huge surprise. And Posey being as good as he has behind the plate, like he's, he's known as one of the game's best receivers behind the plate. But if you combine that with um, his offensive game that he's had this year, it's further strengthening his, his Hall of Fame case. And it's going to end up being a, a pretty debated thing when he's eventually eligible for the Hall of Fame. But right now for this season, if he continues this and leads the Giants to a postseason appearance, maybe even winning the, the, the division, that's only going to further strengthen that. And I, uh, I, I, I did not think this run for the Giants was going to be sustainable after a month. But with the, with, with the way the pitching staff is and the way the hitting is and, and having these guys who are proven winners on this, on this team, I think it is sustainable. And I give Farhan Zaidi, Gabe Kapler, and, and the entire organization a ton of credit for that because I don't think anybody saw this coming. Yeah, you know, the Posey Hall of Fame thing is a really interesting one because I think for Giants fans, it just feels so obvious to them because, you know, the, his impact on the World Series runs, the MVP, Rookie of the Year, all that. But the fact is, you know, Posey doesn't have fantastic longevity numbers at this point. You know, he, he, he's relatively, in, in Hall of Fame speak, he would be a relatively young or inexperienced Hall of Famer at this point. Obviously, he's still playing, so he's building on that. And, you know, again, given how quickly he kind of tailed off over – um, you know, the last few years, um, it wasn't inconceivable. I mean, I feel like that's something we experienced with Joe Maurer, right, with Minnesota in a somewhat similar similar vein. And so I think that was kind of the expectation. I think it was going to get really interesting to, you know, if he ended up retiring with 1,600, 1,700 hits, maybe, he, you know, he doesn't have a bounce back year in there. Um, you know, it, it would have been interesting to see how it plays out. And I think this gives, you know, fans of Posey's, you know, hope that if he can do this this year, that he has a few more quality offensive seasons in him that can put that conversation to rest. I also just think it's really interesting in a historical perspective in that the Giants win these three World Series in five years. But they, there is an argument, and really outside of Posey, I don't see anyone who was on any of those teams who has a chance at the Hall of Fame, right? You don't have you know, Madison Bumgarner is probably the closest and he is a long ways away from getting to that point. I mean, he would probably have to pitch well and effectively through his current contact with the contract with the Diamondbacks and potentially even into another one. And so it's just really interesting to think, about, you know, there are not many instances of teams winning three World Series in five years in Major League Baseball history. And there are virtually none where you don't see two, three, four Hall of Famers on those teams. And what makes, I think, the Giants dynastic run from 2010 to 2014 and 2016, I guess, if you take in that postseason run, you know, so interesting is that it comes really with potentially one, I think Posey is trending towards being a consensus Hall of Famer, but that being it. Yeah, exactly. And and during those runs that they had, it was a lot of, it came down to pitching. It seemed like the Giants, yep. it's, it's always surrounding pitching, but also having those hitters that really stepped up that you didn't expect, like Travis Ishikawa, Mm -hmm. uh, hitting that home run. Uh, Marco Scudero, who's one of my favorite players growing up, actually, just because he was uh, one of the more unsung guys. But yeah, when you when you put it into that perspective where it's probably that or it's likely that the Giants only had one Hall of Fame player throughout that entire run, that's incredibly impressive and also kind of talks about the job um, that Bruce Bochy did managing that team because it was not 
it, it was not the most talented team by any means, but it ended up getting the job done. And obviously Tim Lincecum helped in that stretch. Uh, still one of the more fascinating careers for me with, with how he was just at the top and all of a sudden just completely bottomed out. I know that was uh, like his, his delivery was mm-hmm. pretty, uh, pretty taxing on him and, and everything. But um, when he was dominant, that was, he was probably the most fun pitcher in baseball to watch. And even out of the bullpen too, he was pretty good. Um, but yeah, like he's not going to be a hall of famer. And as you said, Posey is probably going to be the most likely one of the bunch. And I can't picture any others besides, as you said, Bumgarner being the case, but, um, with Bumgarner, he's al- he's already shown signs of declining as a player last year, especially this year. He's been better. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, he's going to have to battle or he's been fighting injuries, um, yeah. since last season. And that might end up preventing him from having that sustained run where he's going to be in the Hall of Fame discussion. But yeah, those Giants teams were very impressive, even though they weren't exactly Hall of Fame caliber players, uh, to to say the least. Yeah. And what's interesting about thinking about it is, like you mentioned, it was the pitching on most of those teams. And the offense was always kind of this quote unquote like ragtag group. Like that was what Brian Sabian, Bobby Evans, who was the assistant general manager at that time, would later become general manager. But, you know, that was the you know, the MO almost was like you said, this homegrown core, right? That at that time was heavily in 2010, it was Posey and Bumgarner and Kane and Lincecum and Brian Wilson and Sergio Romo in the bullpen, you know? And then, you know, as years went on, you'd add Brandon Belt to that mix and Brandon Crawford to that mix. And and you had this kind of, and Pablo Sandoval, who's, excuse me, there in 2010. And you had this offensive core. And then as the starters faded, and then you have that famous 2014 run where really it's a, a, a relatively solid all-around offense and then Madison Bumgarner. And then, you know, that's pretty much how they win the World Series. It, it, incredible run when you look back at that roster, just like how thin that that pitching staff was, um, you know, all the way um, around that ends up winning a title. And this year, it kind of feels, you know, with a very similar uh, aesthetic, right? Like you have obviously far older Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt. But you have those homegrown guys. And then you have this sort of ragtag group of, you know, Mike Yastrzemski and Alex Dickerson and Wilmer Flores and, and you know, some various older veteran signings, some Anthony DiSclefani's and, you know, obviously Kevin Galsman at this point um, is sort of beyond journeyman status. But um, you, you do have a similar kind of vibe and, and feel. But you have the Dodgers and Padres here. And, and that's what I think also is such an interesting part of this you know, like you said, no one in their right mind, I think, had the Giants on par with the Dodgers and Padres entering the season. I think the best hope, right, for the team was they win 85, 86 games and end up competing for the second wild card spot, which I think could still be how this plays out. But I guess my, my question to you is, how do you see this NL West shaking out? Like, have the Giants shown you enough? And do you get the sense from other people on baseball that they expect now this is a three-horse race? Or do you think the expectation is the Giants do kind of take a step back um, and the Dodgers and Padres kind of end up pulling away at some point. Yeah, I think the Giants are good enough at this point where it can be considered a three-team race in the division. And mm-hmm. I do expect there to be some regression from the starting rotation, but not enough where they're going to fall completely out of the picture. I still think when it's all said and done that the Dodgers and Padres separate themselves by at least a few games, uh, but the Giants are good enough where they're not going to be able to, to, to fall out of the race. And that also kind of complicates their long-term outlook because mm-hmm. I think Farhan Zaidi, I mean, even last year and two years ago, 
Uh, Madison Bumgarner and Will Smith were two of the most prominent names in the trade discussion, and they ended up trading Drew Pomerantz and Ray Black to the to the Brewers from Mauricio Dubon, who's a, a key piece for this team. They thought he was mm-hmm. going to be in center field, but he basically played all over the infield too. Um, and they got a lot of pieces this year who would be really intriguing trade candidates, especially those guys in one-year deals in the rotation, which is seemingly everybody. Um, <laughs> I don't think any pitcher not named um, Max Scherzer would be more appealing than the guys in the Giants staff because Kevin Gossman is is extremely good. Um, and they've basically maximized his potential in San Francisco. Um, and his value has never been higher, and they could probably get an absolute ton for him. Alex Wood can be the same. Uh, Desclafani can be the same way too. Um, but they're not in a position to sell. They're in a position to add right now. Um, so, and once they end up supplementing that roster with different players at the deadline, that they could even continue to lead the division come October, which, as I said earlier, that nobody really saw it coming. But after seeing them for the first two months of the season, you can totally believe that this team is legit because they have the feel of, their previous teams, but the Dodgers and Padres are going to make it a lot harder for them to actually advance to the World Series. Yeah, and that's what is interesting, too, is where do you see the, I guess, because we haven't seen Zaidi in a position, right, in the quote-unquote, like, traditional buy place, right? We, we've seen them make kind of more buy-ish moves. He makes that Kevin Pillar trade way back in his first season, with the team in 2019 and he's pretty consistently been willing to kind of add these, you know, Yastrzemski, Lamont Wade, right. These kind of fringe 40 man roster spots. And even somebody's willing to give up a low level prospect to do it. But like you mentioned, we've never seen him really set like fully commit to selling, you know, he's made kind of second tier moves at that last season. He makes no moves at the deadline with the giants um, kind of on the fringes of contention, but we, we haven't seen him in a position where it's, fairly clear that this is a playoff contender, postseason contender, world series contender. If things, if things fall into place the right way, what is your expectation or, or kind of what is your sense of what you think Zaidi like will look like as a buyer? Like, do you think he's someone who is willing to kind of do a more traditional, I'm willing to move prospects, you know, for big league pieces, even if it's a rental, or do you think he's someone who maybe is going to be extremely tentative unless it's like a younger player with team control or something to that effect? Yeah, I think they're going to end up looking for younger players who are signed cheap and are also controllable um, because a big part of what Zaidi has done is allow the Giants to be more aggressive in free agency after this year and in future seasons after this. Um, and they're not going to want this season to get away from that plan. And he's always got an eye in the future. That's something that people around Zaidi have always really praised, especially during his time with the Dodgers. Um, so he won't get away from that vision, but I could see them looking at bullpen pieces because come October and especially even before that this season, you're not, like bullpen pieces have never been more valuable, especially with with teams really worrying about putting too much work on their on their other relievers. So I could see them doing that. I could also see them trying to find um, a center fielder just so um, they can be more or they can use Dubon in different ways. I, I think Byron Buxton would make a lot of sense if they were able to pull it off, but that would be really difficult for a number of reasons because, one, the Twins have kind of bounced back from their slow start. They're still pretty far out in the division, don't get me wrong, but um, they've been better of late, and Buxton is going to cost an absolute ton. 
And I don't know if Zaidi would want to part with a player like that, but or uh, it would, would would want to part with the prospects to get a player mm-hmm. like that. But Buxton's very good. Uh, don't get me wrong, but um, I, he's somebody that I, I could see teams really trying to inquire about just to see his availability. But when it's all said and done, I can't see the Twins trading him just because they're not going to want to trade him, and that asking price is just going to be too high. But um, I, I would look at the Giants being aggressive, looking for relievers and controllable ones and maybe young ones. Um, but we, I'm sure you've gotten the sense with, with Farhan. He's always tinkering the bottom of the roster. Yeah. So even after the deadline, they're still going to make moves on waivers. They're going to do all sorts of different stuff. So he's always tinkering, but I, I would expect him to be aggressive, but just at a certain type of player. Yeah. Buxton, I, I appreciate you mentioned that because I was actually having a conversation uh, with, with the Giants fan the other day. And that was someone I mentioned. I go, you know, I feel like if the Giants are going to go, like they are in a weird spot, right? Where this has, and I've said this pretty consistently, even day back to the offseason, this is a very solid team, like up and down the roster. But that also means you don't have too many like obvious spots um, to fill. Obviously, fans are going to be shouting about the bullpen. And I don't necessarily disagree that like the bullpen needs upgrades or you can look at center field and say that could use an upgrade. But it's not as if there's a clear player on the roster who doesn't belong. Like Steven Duggars started playing well, right? They they gave up um, Wandy Peralta for Mike Taukman, right? They gave up Sean Anderson for Lamont Wade. So they clearly have some belief in those guys in the outfield. So it feels like they could get caught in this weird mid-state, which is kind of where they got caught in 2020, where it doesn't make sense to give up young prospects with you know some potential unless you're getting a big time player and Buxton was one of the players I pointed out and I go, you know, it, it does feel like a weird fit because he doesn't really walk. Some anxiety seems to t- prioritize. He obviously has the injury history, but you know, he does kind of fit the mold of he's a potential impact player who you could talk yourself into potentially being ab- available with a little bit of team control. And, and I think that would be someone who, again, if, like you said, if he hits the market would not be shocked if the giants inquire on the bullpen side of things, obviously that's where it feels like the last few, where it feels like the last few years where the most action at the deadline happens anyway, just because teams are more willing to part with relievers and, you know, it takes less fewer prospects to get a deal done and and all that. Who are some of, are there kind of bigger name relievers that you see potentially coming available, you know, sort of quote the quote unquote closer types um, that have like, you know, pretty strong reputations, or do you think this is going to be, a year where it's sort of a lot of those six to eight inning guys with teams kind of just trying to solidify the, the lesser tiers of the bullpen. Um, I could see it being different levels of the bullpen for sure. I think there's going to be some impact relievers available. Uh, Brad hand stands out to me because he's mm-hmm. on a one-year deal with the nationals. Uh, Alex Colome with the twins because he struggled in there and they might be in a position to sell, but um, the two teams that I think are really, or well, there's three teams that are positioned to sell right now. And that's the Orioles who are sliding like no other. Um, the Pirates who have some intriguing pieces, uh, Richard Rodriguez in the bullpen for them. He got a lot of interest last year. Uh, the Padres were one of the teams that were in on Rodriguez. So I could see him being traded. He's kind of an underrated name. Um, and then you end up looking at the Diamondbacks and also the Rockies too. Um, so I just listed four teams. So apparently I'm not very good at math, but anyways, <laughs> Um, like, there's going to be no shortage of players available, but I think team the like, June 1st is, is typically the first checkpoint for teams to evaluate, evaluate where their season is. Um, so they're not ready quite yet to be, um, 
like declaring themselves sellers by any means, but mm-hmm. there's going to be plenty of guys available. I'm very curious to see who those players are, but like if they want to add an impact high leverage reliever, I think Han and Colome certainly makes sense for sure, but only at the right price, which is probably not going to be a lot of prospects. And also since they're on, they're on one year deals, so it doesn't impact their long-term flexibility either. Yeah. I, I think that's sort of where it's going to fall off for the giants where it's either going to be these, you know, kind of, proven veteran low cost types, or it would be a Rodriguez, right? Or it would be kind of someone who they say, all right, this player can be a part of something for the next two, three years here. Um, And that's obviously going to be ultimately come down to what the prices for those players are and how the giants evaluate their own prospects. Cause that's the other interesting thing is Zaidi has spent the last, you know, is, but we're in the third year now of his tenure with the giants. And he spent those last three years just acquiring as much, talent as he has especially depth in the minor leagues and so obviously you know every team has prospects they have that they maybe view a bit lower than the industry or another team might view a prospect in your system far higher than you do and so that makes you that's right how deals get made especially on the minor league with involving you know minor league pieces and obviously we've you know haven't gotten a sense of that there's obviously the eternal you know what does Farhan Zaidi think about Joey Bart, right? Who obviously he's not in the front office when he's drafted. They draft Patrick Bailey last year in the first round. And obviously now with Posey's resurgence, they have that team option for 2022 with Posey. And so it's not inconceivable. Frankly, I think the way Posey's playing, if he keeps it up, I think it becomes a pretty good value to accept that team option um, and, and lock him in um, at least for next season. And, and so obviously there's that piece, right? If the Giants do believe Joey Bart's a future all-star caliber player and future catcher, then yeah, they probably don't trade him. But if the Giants you know, see him as sort of a more Mike Sanino type player who's a contributor, but maybe not a game changer, and they think Patrick Bailey can be something similar to that in a couple of seasons, that obviously would open up, right, a whole host of avenues in trade because I think Bart would be a, a, a you know relatively close to big league level, obviously performing well at AAA, has big league experience and at a high premium position at catcher, he probably would become one of the best prospects available to teams at the deadline. And so, so much is going to come down to the Giants' own evaluations of their minor leaguers in terms of what opens up to them uh, on the trade market. No, totally. I, I, I certainly see what you're saying there. And like a guy like Bart, like his name was thrown about um, in trade or in the trade rumor mill, um, even during spring training and whether they would end up making him available. And every sense I got is that the Giants were not willing to trade him. Um, so I don't know if that speaks to what Zaidi thinks or if they just wanted to see more time with, with him in the minors because he's such a valuable prospect. But um, with his skill set and with how good he is, um, I can't see the Giants parting with him unless it was a deal that was way too good to pass up. And I just I don't see that opportunity presenting itself. Um, and I also don't think that the, the Bailey selection in the first round a, a year or two ago, um, I can't remember what year it was, but anyways, um, I don't think that any, had any impact on um, the Bart selection or what they felt on of, of Bart at the time. It was just adding a, a really talented player with a unique skill set um, that they believe has a chance to be a future all-star. So they're armed with a lot of catchers in the organization for sure. And the fact that Bailey was drafted by, Zaidi and Bart wasn't maybe that plays an impact but at the end of the day Zaidi wants talented players and he loaded up at a position of extreme value uh, especially with catcher because you've seen the impact um, that Buster Posey's had and you've seen the impact that the catchers that uh, Zaidi brought in 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 LA with especially with Will Smith what it's had on the, the organization already 
So, um, may, like, they're intriguing players to have for sure, especially in trade talks. But I, I just can't see Zaidi party with with either of them, especially Bart. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good sort of uh, disclaimer on, I think, a lot of the speculation that we've heard since Bailey was drafted. I think the perfect proof of this, Bailey was selected last in last summer's draft in the first round. And he's starting the year at high A, and he's struggling. I mean, he's he's not, you know, hitting 150 or anything like that, but, you know, he has a pretty high strikeout rate. He's not hitting for extreme amounts of power. And, again, that doesn't mean he's not a prospect. This doesn't mean he's a bust. But it just kind of shows, too, I think a lot of people – um, especially more casual fans, you know, as the draft and prospects have gotten more coverage, you know, there's a, we have to recalibrate kind of how we're used to things. Cause I think a lot of sort of more casual sports fans who were baseball fans had never thought of the draft had never really considered prospects when it came to baseball, but obviously in basketball and football, um, that's, you know, a, a prominent part of fandom. If you're a casual fan, you know, who your first round picks were in football and basketball, and you know, you expect them to contribute or at least play in year one. And so I still think while a lot of sort of the more, uh, you know, diehard or, or more kind of intense fans or people who cover the sport are more used to the idea. Yeah. You're drafting a player in the first round. Fine. But you know, they're only making an impact in two to three years if they really hit and everything's comes together perfectly. And most team and, you know, a good organization is never really expecting that of a first round pick. I think there's still a, a lag where that hasn't fully calibrated for, I think a lot of fans too, where, you know, if Bailey is the player the Giants think he can be, that's great for them. But that still probably isn't going to be a factor for three to four years at, at this point. And so there's still a, a gap there where potentially Posey could be gone or Posey could be older. And there's still plenty of time for Bart to be a productive big leaguer before the Giants, you know, have to deal with the quote unquote, you know, log jam at the position or anything to that effect. No, totally. And and you mentioned the fact earlier that that Posey had an option for, for next year, a club option. And if the Giants don't feel that either of those players are ready to succeed Posey, they can keep Posey around for whatever he's signed for and end up allowing those guys time to, to marinate the minors. And, and that's OK. Like that's like you don't want to rush these guys. And as you said, it's it, these guys are not up right away like they are in the NFL or anything like it takes time to develop these players because they're coming from either high school or they're coming from um, college where they were only there for a year or two Um, and allowing them that time to to get better in the minors and to adjust to the level of competition is huge Um, and like there's a very there's some very rare cases where that's actually the case where they're up after being drafted like later that season but that's once in a blue moon. And in this case, the Giants knew that this, these guys both needed developing. Um, and they have that flexibility to, to allow them an extra year of doing that with Posey having that option for next year. So I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like it, it, what you said is absolutely right. Um, and them having that, that flexibility is going to end up being huge in Zaidi's eyes. Yeah. And I think that's what it comes down to when, when, Whenever people are kind of trying to find out, all right, what is driving, you know, Farns 80s moves or his approach? I think flexibility is, is the key word. Like that is what at every point he is trying to get as many players who he thinks deserve to be on a big league 40 ran roster on his 40 man roster, but also players who maybe are worthy of big league opportunities, but that he can stash a triple a to have organizational depth. I mean, I do think we haven't seen him do it quite yet, although they do acquire Sam Villaplane 
yesterday from the Mariners for cash. He's now on a 40 man roster spot. He obviously underwent Tommy John surgery earlier this year. So now the giants have this 40 man roster spot to play with. I know they have it because Scott Casimir is on the restricted list. So they might just, you know, make that move when Casimir returns, but the giants have a lot of these players who have some big league experience at triple a Dominic Leone, one who comes to mind, who's the, probably the most experienced and, you know, he's been doing incredibly well at triple a, you have a lot of sort of these minor league free agent signings the Giants made last offseason of players who were in the big leagues as recently as last year out of a bullpen. And so I could, I, you expect to see at some point those players start to potentially cycle through and get opportunities. But, you know, returning to the Posey situation too, I, I just looked it up on Spotrek or Spotrek. I don't know. I never know how to pronounce that, but. Um, yeah, you and me both. <laughs> the, the club, I feel like no one does. I feel like every podcast I ever hear anyone mention it, there's this exact interaction. Yes. But anyway, um, his club options for $22 million, but it holds a $3 million buyout. So it's essentially a one-year $19 million deal, which is essentially probably what the qualifying offer will be this offseason. You know, I don't see a justifiable really reason that hap- that gets declined unless if Posey keeps up, you know, obviously he might won't hit necessarily 370 the whole year and end up being 35 home runs or whatever that heck he's on pace for right now. But if he continues looking like, you know, a legitimate impact player, I don't see um, considering, I think the giants, if they were to decline the team option at this point would probably offer a qualifying offer. They might as well get the security of having him return, but you know, that doesn't necessarily mean there isn't, you know, an opportunity for Bart because Brandon belts, a free agent. And you know, we know, uh, the on top of belt being a free agent, the designated hitter is very likely is kind of looming for the national league as soon as next season. And you think about, you mentioned, you know, what the Dodgers have done at the catching position. I think it's very foreseeable that, you know, Zaidi is envisioning a world where he brings Posey back, but we've seen Kirk Casale get plenty of playing time this year, even as Posey's excelled and he has struggled because the giants are big on, they don't want, to wear Posey out. They don't want to wear their older players out. And so that's the perfect opportunity. They can call Bart up, introduce him to, you know, sort of, well, I guess he did make his big league debut last year in sort of a second chance. They admitted they feel like they rushed him a bit and they can then take their time kind of introducing him to big league competition. And also him having Buster Posey right alongside him to help him get used to catching a pitching staff and being a big league catcher. And then you have that DH spot to play with. You have potentially um, so that that's first base to play with if belt departs or however they handle that, even if you bring him back, he still obviously belt someone who they've sat against lefties and Barton Posey, both being right-handed hitters that would open up some at bats there. So I think there's a whole host of ways where every time I've looked at the giants and been like, oh, okay, the giants have too many corner outfielders heading into, I mean, I thought heading into last off, you know, like, you know, you have Solano, you have Flores, you have belt, you have all these, you know, you kind of have rough, you have, you know, all these sort of corner first base, second base options. Clearly they're going to trade from that or, or maneuver for that. And then they don't make a trade and sign another one in Tommy Lestella, right? Like I think every time I've been like, oh, okay, this is clearly, there's a lot of opportunities for the Giants to trade from this depth here. The Giants haven't been keen to make those moves because I think Farhan Zaidi trusts his ability to, you know, maneuver and get players at bats or sneak the right player through waivers or, you know, and all of these things, which again is going to make this deadline interesting because, you know, there are players like Bart, Steven Duggar, Austin Slater, who aren't from the, you know, regime of Farhan Zaidi. They are from Bobby Evans or Brian Sabian's years at the helm of the organization. But I think at this point, if the, if, any player is in the Giants organization still, 
that player is essentially a Farhan Zaidi player. Like there have been ample opportunities at this point. And we saw, you know, Zaidi has probably made nearly as many trades as anyone over his tenure. You know, if they were players, he wasn't that high on, they probably would have been moved by now. But Steven Duggar is still taking up, was still taking up a 40-man roster spot heading into the year. And it looks to finally be playing, paying off, right? Austin Slater, obviously someone who's gotten extensive playing time as well. And so I think there's, we're getting to a point where, Yes, a player may not have been acquired by Zaidi, but if that player was someone Zaidi was that low on, it's hard to believe they'd still sort of be getting these opportunities when he's had ample opportunities to make moves. Exactly. And the way that Farhan, he, the way he goes about running his team, especially with making trades, it's a lot like how somebody runs a fantasy football team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because he makes a surplus of these moves. And I don't know if you've, you've read Andy McCullough's piece on Zaidi and fantasy football when he was with the Dodgers. I know uh, he, he dominated that league. I remember. Yeah. He dominated that league to the point where these guys were getting upset with him and claimed he was cheating and wanted him out of the league, um, which one is absolute goals for me in fantasy football. <laughs> I'm not awful at it, but I'll have to hit up Zaidi for tips, but um, like the moves that he makes, they, they work. Like they're, they're masterful. I mean, not all of them have panned out because you can't have a hundred percent hit rate by any means over the trade market or anything, but um, he's had ample opportunities to trade all these guys, as you said, but he's pulled the right moves on a lot of different fronts and he was able to get Mauricio Dubon and um, in exchange for Pomeranz and, and, uh, and Ray Black, which at the time I thought was a brilliant move for the giants. And yeah. Pomeranz is obviously he's turned his, his career around and, and been a very good reliever and, and Dubon is, is plenty of talent and his bat's starting to turn up a little bit lately too. So like, that's just one of the many examples, like, even the Mike Talkman trade, I, I, that trade at the time, even after like it happened, like seconds after it, I remember texting a buddy of mine, Fab, Fabian Ardaya with the athletic. I was like, Farhan's at it again. Like that's the most Farhan move I've ever seen in my life. And he's been very good. Even what he helped him win that game against the Dodgers a couple of days ago. Um, but like, I expect him to end up pulling the right buttons or pushing the right buttons at the trade deadline. I, I have utmost confidence in Farhan to do that. And going back to what you said earlier about uh, Bart and, and potentially DHing or with the DH coming back to the national league next year, that, that was a very good point. And something I failed to mention earlier is that it could allow him time to learn from Posey. It can see his everyday routine and Posey's a guy that you cannot learn enough from. And mm-hmm. having that guy in your back pocket is only going to help Bart more. And allowing him to get major league at-bats, either at first base or at DH, where he doesn't have to worry about the pressure of catching whoever's pitching that day, yeah, is going to end up being a way to ease him in without putting too much on his plate, especially when he's DHing. So like, he's going to get at-bats at some point. And they rushed him last year, as you said. Um but the way that they're operating now and they have Kirk and Sally back there, who's allowing Posey to take days off, even though the Giants fans don't like it very much um, uh, to say the least there um, it's keeping Posey fresh and they can even do the same thing next year with Bart or they can do it with somebody else that they bring into the organization. It's, it's what Farhan does. He likes to have that flexibility. I keep mentioning that word flexibility, but that's the key word of Farhan's IED is flexibility because he wants to win this year. Or maybe he didn't expect to win this year, but he wants to win this year now. And he also wants to win three to four to five to six years from now. Like He wants this to be a sustainable winner. And going all in on this season may not be the way to do that, but he'll, he'll, he'll certainly find ways to upgrade this team and, and it'll allow them to have a future going forward. 
Yeah, no doubt. And it's, it's, I think, going to be incredibly interesting. I mean, the entire operation, just because anytime you, you know, the Giants, right, having Sabian and Evans, who acted very similarly while in charge of the organization for, you know, as many decades as, as they did, it was essentially, you know, fans got used to this very, you know, one kind of approach to team building. And Zaidi, we knew when he got hired, was going to be different. And, and he has been in some ways. He's been similar in others. And, and so it's just fun to kind of watch this play out because, you know, if I sort of use like the metaphor of like an organization kind of is a bucket, right, of talent, you kind of fill it up. You, your goal is to fill it up right to the brim. And the Giants, when Zaidi gets hired, you know, there wasn't a lot of prospects who were viewed very highly by the rest of the big league organizations. It was viewed as a thin organization farm system with a lot of veterans who are on the back ends, of, who are in the middle of contracts that weren't very good, who were fading um, towards the end. And that is entirely shifted right now. The Giants have built a fairly one of the I'd argue one of the deeper uh, farm systems in baseball, especially on the look heading into the year. It looked like the position player side. It might have flipped around a bit. We'll see. But, you know, a, a fairly deep farm system. Now they have these players who were viewed as bad contracts now performing fantastic. And some of these, I think the Giants aren't is, interested in trading them, but would now be very tradable given how they're performing and, and where they're at on that. But there's a certain point where if I sort of extend this bucket analogy, right, there's only so much talent an organization can have and hold on to, right? Like the Giants are at a point where many of the players on their 40-man roster, if they designate them for assignment, probably will be claimed by, you know, potentially other organizations. You know, I think of teams like Detroit and, you know, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, the teams you mentioned that are surefire sellers who would probably be happy to get their hands on, on some of these players who are maybe fringe roster guys for the Giants, but who they might say, you know what, we can give them playing time and see if they turn into something. The Giants have tons of prospects at the lower minor leagues where if they put on the trade market, there'd be teams that would be very interested in them. And so how much is, you know, Zaidi has done kind of this accumulation of depth and talent. I think that's going to be the state, the staple of his entire tenure as president of baseball operations in San Francisco. But when does he reach a point where he starts trading from that? When does he start saying, all right, we, we can, we now want to kind of um, invest a bit in getting, you know, that star player. And obviously there's the impending free agent class that you know, we don't need to get into today, but there's an impending free agent class with you know, obviously plenty of money coming off the books that the Giants could potentially spend in. Although, again, that changes by the day of how you view those potential free agents who signs extensions um, and you know, if that happens in trade. So I think it's, it's going to be very interesting um, to watch play out. No, it's for sure. And I, I, that's, I, I don't expect um, Farhan to part with those pieces this season. I think if he does, it's going to be either this off season or it's going to be next season if they're in a position where they're contending. And you mentioned that great free agent shortstop class that's uh, that's next year or that's happening this winter, I should say. Um, I certainly expect them to be in that market, and that's going to be the time where this flexibility, where they have all these guys on these one year deals, and they're coming off the books and they have hardly any money committed going forward, could allow them to end up pursuing these kind of players, uh, especially these these shortstops who are going to make 300 plus million. Um, so I, I, maybe you see them pursue a guy like Corey Seager, who he's plenty familiar with from their time in, in LA, or maybe they pursue somebody they've seen a lot in Trevor's story, or, I mean, I'm, you could just go down the, the list of names that are going to yep. be available. Um, like if we're sticking to what the giants have internally, 
I, maybe they trade one or two of those pieces this year if it, the situation presents or presents itself where it's for a controllable player. Um, but you just don't want to have um, – you don't want to part with those kind of guys for in this kind of a season. Um, just in, like Are the Giants one of the better teams in baseball right now? For sure. But being in a division where you're with the Dodgers and the Padres, does it make sense – to trade those pieces now, or do you want to have those guys in the future where you can make different trades and have a better shot at competing with this team? I like it's it's something that I if I was far on, I would not do it. I would hold on to those guys for now unless the deal was too good to pass up. Mm-hmm. But um, he has a very deft touch with finding deals that are kind of under the radar where he doesn't have to power those key pieces. Um, where he ends up coming out on top. I mean, that's certainly something we could end up seeing this year. I don't know what it's going to end up being because with Farhan, you can't really predict what he does. Um, but I, I'm very, as you said, I'm very curious to see how this one plays out. Definitely. Robert, thank you. Uh, I take up enough of your time um, today. Thank you uh, for coming on. Where can the people uh, stay, t- stay in touch with what you're doing and your work? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at by Robert Murray, and you can read me at fansighted.com. I have a, a, a weekly notes column that posts every Monday, but I'm, uh, I'm working on a story now that's kind of taken me a little bit of time. If, if I end up getting it reported, I'll give you this little, uh, this little, uh, teaser, it would end up being a bombshell. So, right. uh, stay, stay tuned for that. Um, but as always, I, I appreciate all your support. And I, th- I thank you very much for having me on your podcast. Hey, thank you. I am now excited uh, for what could come. But even if, if that doesn't come to fruition, I, I highly recommend checking out Robert's weekly um, you know, column. Kind of, j- It's just notes on, on all these kind of rumors and tidbits coming out from around the league. He's one of the most well-connected uh, baseball writers in the country. So thank you for joining us for this 31st episode of Sound the Foghorn. I am your host as always, Mark DeLuke. You can follow me on Twitter at Mad DeLuke. That is M-A-D-D-E-L-U-C-C-H-I. You can also stay tuned with all the latest Giants news and rumors over at AroundTheFoghorn.com. You can follow us on Twitter at RoundTheFoghorn. Thank you all for joining us. And until next time, stay safe and have a wonderful week.